What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. I'm excited because today we are really going to dive into kind of the exercise and the training component when we're working towards our our nutrition, our fitness, our body composition goals. And this podcast, you know, it's it's definitely more geared towards nutrition, but I'm so passionate about the exercise component as well. And that's something that I work with my clients on. It's something that I preach on social media and it's something that I want to include and dive into here on this podcast as well, because I think it's so important. And really the goal, honestly, of this podcast is in general is to just give you some more information, help with the mindset piece, but really it's mostly intended to help you make more informed decisions. Like that's just my, the number one goal that I have posting content to social media, podcasting, sending emails, talking to people, working with my coaching clients. Like, and I I feel like a lot of coaches feel this way too, but it's like the impact that we make that is kind of attributed to how we can help people navigate through life and make informed decisions on their own that are conducive to them reaching their goals and you know, how can we find a way to help people reach their goals quicker, more safely, and, you know, be more productive with their training and their nutrition efforts? Because at the end of the day, that's that's really what this is all about. So we're really going to dive into the exercise piece today. Not going to be talking a lot of, uh, about nutrition stuff, but we're going to be talking kind of more about cardio, resistance training, what's best, what's worse, you know, quote unquote worse, like a combination of both kind of explaining the differences between the two. And we're really going to gear this conversation towards kind of fat loss and weight loss and body recomposition efforts, because that's what a a lot of people are intending to do, right? And this this, uh, episode, yes, it can be, it, it can be related to people who are training for sports or, you know, maybe you're an endurance athlete, like maybe you're a swimmer, you're a power lifter or CrossFit, like this podcast episode isn't necessarily geared towards the people who are training for something, you know, specific, right? Like the best type of exercise is going to be the one that helps you get better at your sport and your performance. And the one that's going to help you perform better and, and, you know, reach your full potential. And that can look like a, a variety of things. And a lot of those people, kind of have their own coaches or trainers or programs that they follow to help them get there. Um, But if we talk about, you know, what is the best form of exercise in the context of losing weight or changing the way you look or feeling better um, and improving your longevity, we're really going to dive into kind of that today, which is applicable to everybody. Um, But I just want to make that blanket statement that this is definitely, you know, this conversation is geared more towards talking to the people who are kind of the just average gym goers, the people who aren't training for a sport or competition or are training six days a week and doing all these things. It's kind of just for the average person. Um, So, you know, if we kind of dive into this idea of like, hey, I want to lose weight and really let's say your goal is weight loss or fat loss and you're deciding between different exercise modalities, but you're trying to decide which form of exercise is going to be superior for that, which exercise is going to help you reach your goals the quickest or, you know, help you reach your goals at all. And in this context, there's, 
there's often an, an either or discussion of like, you know, should I lace up the running shoes or buy the Peloton bike or, or just do predominantly cardio or should I pick up the weights or go to the gym or buy a gym membership or should I start doing some resistance training? Because a lot of times people associate losing weight with doing cardio and if, if they want to gain weight or build muscle and get stronger or get jacked, they kind of lean into the resistance training side of things. But if we're if we're asking the question of what is best for me and my goals, like we always have to ask ourselves, what do we care most about? Because the exercise that we value is going to depend on the goals that you're working towards and what you deem is most important to you. And this excludes or it should exclude the amount of calories that you burn for those particular types of exercise. Now, we do understand that in order to lose weight and to change our body composition, but primarily for fat loss, and we'll hone in on fat loss here because that's probably like 80 to 90% of anyone's goal when it comes to exercising or starting to exercise more consistently. But most people start exercising and we're talking about the average gym person here, the average just regular person, not necessarily the the fitness fanatic, but they start exercising because they they want to lose some weight and you know they want to reap some of the benefits of all the things associated with weight loss. And a lot of people start exercising to undo some of the negative consequences of weight gain and exercise is seen as one of the solutions to that, right? So they say, okay, what form of exercise should I choose? Because a lot of people tend to look at this situation as an either or question instead of doing both. But in reality, weight loss and changing your health or your body composition, it's going to be multifaceted. And we have a lot of different inputs that just go beyond the exercise alone, right? Like we have energy balance, we have food selection, we have environmental factors, sleep, stress management, non-exercise activity, your dieting history. Like we have so many other just inputs that can influence our weight loss efforts, but it isn't always determined by the type of exercise that you choose to do. But exercise sure as hell complements it and it can really help drive that. And for most people, especially for the people who aren't regularly exercising, like getting on some structured exercise program two to three times a week, like whether it's cardio or resistance training, or maybe it's a little bit of both, like that's a massive improvement. And those people can see a lot of benefit in their health markers and their body composition. I mean, just their energy levels and a ton of other things by just doing that consistently by exercising two to three times consistently. And for some people listening to this episode right now, like you might be thinking that two to three days of working out and exercise, like that's just not a big deal. But to be honest, it's a huge leap for a large amount of our population and getting some people to just increase their activity level by a day or two, it can be really difficult. But let's say we get that person who wants to lose weight, who's been relatively sedentary for, I don't know, a year, for however long of that period of time, and they're motivated to start working out again. They're going to likely choose one form of exercise, right? But in the past and in today, like we've understood that for a long time, in order to lose weight, you have to create an energy imbalance or go into a calorie deficit, meaning you have to take in less calories than you burn or 
you burn more calories on average than you eat for a period of time. Like we know that that's all true and that's what drives fat loss. But the problem is, is what we've, you know, done with exercise is we think of it in a way of just solely burning more calories and the most, you know, effective exercise equates to the most calorie burns when we're doing that particular exercise. Like, think about it, you'd think it makes sense, right? Like, that's what we're trying to do is to burn more calories. Now, if that were all true, cardio, by definition, would be probably the best form of exercise because, you know, if we compare the other different exercise modalities out there, cardio in the form of running, uh, primarily running, but, you know, elliptical or tread or maybe even swimming or biking, like doing cardio is going to burn more calories than a lot of the other forms of exercise that we can choose from. But why is calorie burn not something that we should really care about that much? One of the reasons is because the calories that we burn during exercise is something that our bodies can adapt to fairly quickly. And it's something that stops becoming a factor the more you do it over time. But what we really want to look at is, is what are the adaptations that forms of exercise, you know, induce in the body and, you know, what does that mean, right? So what are these adaptations and what are the side effects of those adaptations, So if we go back to our original conversation, which is maybe you're somebody, I need to find a way to burn more calories than I take in. Um, The form of exercise that I choose should most likely be, you know, the ones that induce adaptations that cause my body to naturally burn more calories. There's a difference though. We're not manually trying to burn more calories. Like where you have to you know, move in order to, to burn more calories, but we want to automatically burn more calories to where adaptations occur in your body and your metabolism speeds up on its own. So when we look at forms of exercise from kind of that perspective, it's, it's really clear that resistance training is superior because what resistance training does to your body kind of as a primary form of adaptation is to tell your body to get stronger and to build some more muscle. And both of those adaptations are, are really closely related. And both of those adaptations tell the body that, hey, we need more strength and we need more muscle. And, you know, we don't need to be as efficient with calories or calorie burn. In fact, like strength and muscle are, are very calorie inefficient. It's like having a bigger engine in your car, right? Like no matter what, you're going to be burning more casts than a car that's smaller or hybrid or something that weighs less or has a smaller engine. So the side effect of moving more and having more muscle is having a faster metabolism. Now, if we go back to cardio or running or cycling or swimming or you know any other forms of cardio, although they burn more calories while they're being performed, the main adaptation that you're getting is endurance. And doing these exercises more often is essentially telling your body that you need more stamina and endurance to get better at those cardio um, events or those activities that you're doing. And one of the ways that your body does this is it actually doesn't require much strength or muscle. In fact, it requires pretty little muscle or strength. And if we were to look at like long distance runners or extreme endurance, endurance athletes, like 
they're pretty fit, right? But they have very little muscle mass and they have less amounts of strength, but they, they do have tremendous amounts of endurance and stamina because that's primarily what they do. Also, exercising just in the form of cardio, it's burning more calories during that activity. But your body is burning a lot of calories and your body responds by getting better at that form of exercise. So it increases your endurance, but it also reduces the calorie burn over time because your body becomes more efficient at running or cycling or swimming or whatever cardio event that you're doing. So what happens initially is you burn a lot more calories, but then your body starts to adapt and it learns you know, how to burn less calories over time. And it can accomplish this by honestly tearing some of your muscle down as well. And if you're someone who's in a calorie deficit, doing predominantly cardio as your exercise of choice, like you're going to see some weight loss, but you're also going to see a lot of muscle loss as well. So let's say you lose maybe 10 pounds total, right? Maybe you lose four pounds of fat, four pounds of muscle and a couple pounds of water weight. Like, yes, you've lost weight, but you've lost a decent amount of muscle muscle mass with that as well. And the result of that is unfortunately a slower metabolism over time. And this is why if you've ever lost weight or have known somebody that's lost weight by cutting calories and has just done cardio as their only form of exercise, you notice a super fast initial weight loss and part of it being muscle. And, but then you start to see that plateau. And a main reason for that is because your metabolism is adapted. And then you find yourself in a position where you need to do more cardio or you need to cut calories even more to continue to see progress. And if you follow this to kind of its conclusion at the end of your 10 or 20 or 30 pound weight loss journey, you're now burning you know, far fewer calories compared to yourself when you first started and you have to, to move a fuck ton more and you have to eat less to maintain this new body weight, which is really is just super unsustainable. Now, on the flip side, if you did resistance training and you build a little bit of muscle, and I say a little muscle because, you know, let's be real, putting on muscle is hard as fuck and it takes a lot of time and effort. Um, and men can gain more muscle quicker than women, but we're talking like, you know, 10 to 15 pounds of muscle per year for, for men if they're really diligent and they eat in a surplus for 12 months while they're resistance training. And for women, the average muscle gain, I don't know, maybe is half of that, but you're not going to look much bigger with that muscle on your body, especially women like five to six pounds of muscle. Isn't going to make you look massive or that much bigger. And honestly, instead you'll probably feel tighter and and maybe even a little bit more lean, but having more muscle going into a, a calorie deficit can result in a much larger percentage of fat loss. And you know, what results from that is overall a faster metabolism. When you come out on the other side of that calorie deficit, if you maintain more muscle mass through that fat loss phase. So when you incorporate more resistance training as part of your weight loss regimen, the the weight on the scale, it's going to move a little bit slower for sure partially because you're not losing as much, if any, muscle. Um, So it's just body fat, which is what we want. But then you get the snowball effect at, you know, the end of that 20, um, 10 or 20 pound weight loss journey. If, If everything is done properly, you can end up with a faster metabolism. And you've made it more sustainable to keep those results long term because you have a faster metabolism. But I want to, I want to communicate like all of these things because I know 
you know, people still have relatively no idea, you know, how to do this or how to approach this whole weight loss effort. Because a lot of people still, you know, view resistance training as this exercise modality that that makes you bigger. And cardio being the, the type of exercise that can help you look smaller or make you feel smaller. So people end up choosing the cardio because they want to lose weight. But it doesn't really work like that, right? And especially if you only, you know, want to work out a couple of days a week and you want this to be somewhat sustainable for you. And if if you want to high, have a higher metabolism at the end of all of this or your calorie deficit or your weight loss phase, you're going to want to do some resistance training so you can build some strength and you can build some muscle as well. And to be honest, those results are going to be a lot longer lasting. And again, this is, this is multifactorial. Like there's a lot of other inputs that go into this, but we know that resistance training is is awesome and it really supports our metabolic health and our body composition goals at the same time. But the irony is, you know, usually when you have somebody who is looking for, well, maybe not usually, but oftentimes I meet somebody or start working with someone who has an aesthetic goal or physique goal. They want to change the way they look. And we talk about, you know, what they want to look like and they start describing that goal to me or maybe they show me an image or a picture of somebody or something that they want to look like. And nine times out of 10, the person or the thing that they're, they're you know, comparing themselves to or, or showing the picture of to me is, somebody who probably has 10 to 15 more pounds of muscle than that person does on them or that person has on them, you know, right now or in this moment of time. And yes, they're probably leaner than you too, but between point A, which is, you know, where you are now and point B, which is where you want to be, there's likely some combination of both fat loss and muscle gain um, for you to get to that physique that you're chasing after. So if we're going to, you know, maintain some form of body composition or improve our overall body composition we're looking at fat loss and not really just total weight loss so this idea of just getting smaller can really miss the point and if you take a second to to really dissect what your goals actually are like muscle maintenance at the very least is going to be a big part of that goal and that that doesn't really happen if you're in a calorie deficit and you're just doing cardio as your only form of exercise and as a society, like we have less muscle and we have more fat than we've ever seen before, right? Like we're weak, we don't have much strength and our hormones can reflect that because our body tends to, to organize its hormones in the direction that your lifestyle moves it. So we're seeing lower testosterone in men, we're seeing more insulin resistance issues and in women we're seeing more imbalances in, in estrogen and progesterone. Plus, our metabolisms aren't burning that many calories day to day, and you pair that with being surrounded by an infinite amount of hyperpalatable foods, which only tends to exacerbate things even more. So we're under-muscled, we're overweight, we're overfat, and it can be difficult for some people to change things because we live in an environment that influence all of, influences all of those things as well. And when we talk about weight loss and improving, you know, our body composition, it's important to understand that muscle is very dense in comparison to fat. And if I saw somebody and if I could, you know, let's say I can instantly remove 10 pounds of fat and add 10 pounds of muscle to their frame, that person would probably be smaller if they're already, if they're somebody who's starting at a higher BMI or a higher body weight. And 
if we did that to everyone who, who you know has a higher body weight or that higher BMI um, or people with a higher body fat percentage, all of those people would likely look smaller too. You know, people would lose inches off of their body. Um, they'd lose body fat percentage and all of these things could come down while their skeletal muscle mass is increased. And all of this could be accomplished even though their weight stayed the same, like the number on the scale stayed the same. But this happens because muscle is it's very dense and body fat is not as dense. And your body fat takes up more space if we compare that to, to muscle pound for pound. And not to mention the side effect of just having more muscle in general, which is having a faster metabolism. If we were to look back hundreds of years ago, right, ancestor times and stuff, like it was more beneficial to have a more efficient and a slower metabolism because food was harder to come by, right? Like the hunter and gatherers, we think about people walking around and hunting their food and not knowing when their next meal is going to be like, you didn't want to be somebody with a fast metabolism that was burning thousands of calories a day at rest because honestly, you'd probably die. And instead you wanted a metabolism that was more efficient. Now, if we compare that to today and the times that we're living in now, like we're living in a radically different environment and we really want the opposite of that, which is having a faster metabolism, right? You want to be the person who's burning thousands of calories a day by just sitting at your desk and, and not doing much. So if I could do something to help improve, you know, outcomes and minimize people's risk for all the diseases that are brought on by, you know, an an overconsumption of calories over time, the best thing that we could do is increase people's metabolism by like 25 or 50%. Because if we were able to do that, people would become leaner and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have to make any drastic changes. So that's one of the points I'm driving at here is when we talk about the benefits of, of having more muscle and having more strength and for resistance training. And if we talk about the aesthetic differences that happen when you build some muscle, like let's say you take someone like myself, which I'm about six feet tall and I weigh anywhere between like 160 to 170 pounds. And I probably have anywhere from, I don't know, maybe an eight to 9% body fat percentage, eight to 10% body fat percentage, which is pretty lean for a man. Um, and if, if we took another guy who let's say he is another, you know, 170 pounds and he's six feet tall, but he had a 20% body fat and we stood side by side, we would look very different from one another. And the same thing goes for women as well. Like if we were comparing a girl at 150 pounds with 19% body fat and she stood next to someone who weighed, you know, that exact same 150 pounds, but they had 30% body fat, they would look radically different as well. So Body composition is really what we're looking for, not just total weight off of the scale. But if we were to kind of take a step back here, I think I think everybody can agree that, again, doing something is just, it's better than doing nothing at all when it comes to exercising. And honestly, I'll stand by that till the day I day. But we have to remember that a lot of people, they don't have access to a gym or to dumbbells or to free weights. And the only thing that they have available is maybe a pair of shoes and their walking trail. And in those situations, you know, doing cardio, doing something is always going to be better than doing nothing at all. But if you're the person who does have access to a gym or weights or bands or a cable machine at home, or, you know, you have your apartment gym, there are more 
unique benefits of resistance training when we compare that to just doing cardio alone. And if you put aesthetics aside, because I think we've kind of hit that point hard enough by now, resistance training is unique and it's important because it's the only form of exercise that is specifically pro-tissue and pro-youthful hormone levels. Now, what the fuck does that mean, right? Like if we talk about resistance training just being pro-tissue, other forms of exercise like cardio, say pick it on cardio here, but that's what we're comparing it to. Um, but other forms of exercise like cardio, they induce adaptations to your body that are anti-tissue. So when you do a shit ton of cardio, your body sheds total weight and that weight comes from both body fat and it comes from muscle. But your body can end up getting rid of muscle to make you more efficient with that cardiovascular activity. So over time, you can continue to get more proficient at that exercise and eventually you can burn less calories from doing it. Now, if we look at resistance training, on the other hand, this is a pro-tissue type of exercise, meaning your body is it's going to add more active tissue and add more muscle the more you do it. Now, if we think of the hormones that are associated with gaining muscle and the hormones associated with tearing muscles down, if we're talking about men, testosterone has a shit ton of functions in the body, but one of them is to build muscle. So if your body is trying to you know, tear muscle down, let's say you're doing a ton of cardio five to seven days per week and, and you're doing really long distance running, like if your body wants to start tearing muscle down, it's going to organize those hormones in a way to make that happen. And one of the things it can do when we look at you know, chronic cardiovascular activity in the absence of resistance training is it can lower testosterone levels and increase cortisol levels, which is your stress hormone. So overtraining or doing a shit ton of cardio can bring your testosterone levels down. And the theory behind that is, is because your body needs lower testosterone to tear the muscle down and make you a little bit more efficient and more effective at what you're asking it to do, which is predominantly cardiovascular activity. Now, in resistance training, since we're sending signals and the stimulus to tell your body that, hey, we need to build more muscle, can actually reliably raise your testosterone levels. In fact, it's, it's actually the only form of exercise that consistently uh, raises testosterone levels regardless you know on on whether your testosterone is is low or it's in the middle or you're starting with it on the higher end now other forms of exercise can raise your testosterone as well if it's really low and for sure that can improve your health absolutely but nothing directly raises testosterone like resistance training does it also upregulates androgen receptors. And these are the receptors that testosterone attaches to in order to become active. So your body actually opens up more of these receptors to make your testosterone more effective because you're telling your body to build muscle, to, to get stronger. So when I say resistance training is, is pro-hormone, what happens is, you know, you get these useful levels, youthful levels of testosterone, but you also get youthful levels of growth hormone, which can happen in women as well. And your body increases its insulin sensitivity. Actually, adding muscle and resistance training is probably one of the most effective ways to improve insulin sensitivity, which is important when we talk about disease management and, and disease prevention for most people. 
Um, and if we talk about benefits of resistance training for women, we see this balancing of estrogen and progesterone in a way to promote gaining muscle and strength. And you can also see a change in testosterone levels as well in women, which is also important for female physiology and just, you know, your general health as well. But we can also see cortisol levels start to balance out too. And, and too much cortisol, it can cause the body to actually lose muscle and it can fuck with your sleep and, you know, too high of cortisol levels over time is not something that, that we want. So we want it to be more balanced and you can create this balance in this environment um, that's conducive to building muscle by resistance training. So when you lift, you can get these youthful levels of hormones because you're telling your body to build muscle. And a lot of the side effects of, of these balanced hormones are, you know, you feel better and you have more energy and you feel stronger and you're seeing changes to your body composition. And honestly, there's so many clinics and companies that people are going to nowadays where they're getting injections like testosterone to, to get some of these benefits, but resistance training can do this for you naturally. So kind of aside from aesthetics, uh, that's obviously one thing that's really profound and a unique benefit um, to resistance training that you really can't get from cardio or other forms of higher intensity exercise. But another benefit of resistance training is sustainability. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to just the average person when they're, you know, getting into an exercise routine is consistency with that routine. It's very hard to stay consistent week in, week out for a lot of people. And this is true even just for the average gym person who takes their health relatively seriously. And it usually looks something like maybe three weeks on, four weeks on, one week off. And if we were to average that out for the duration of the year, and and this is a generalization for people who are relatively consistent, right? Like people will maybe take 10 to 12 weeks off or out of the gym per year. And again, I'm I'm talking about the average person here, not necessarily the, the fitness fanatic who just lives for exercising and training. But this becomes a problem when your primary benefit of exercise comes from doing the exercise itself and while you do that exercise. So, you know, while you're doing the exercise, you're getting a benefit, but when you're not doing that exercise, you're not necessarily getting a ton of benefit from it after. And resistance training is unique because you get a lot of of benefit while you are lifting um, and while you're working out, but you know, through the muscle building process, you start to develop more muscle memory over time. So first off, when you stop resistance training, your body loses strength at a much slower pace than if you were to stop doing cardio, right? And you lose that stamina or endurance, which you can actually lose that stamina endurance pretty quickly. But your muscle stays around for a lot longer when you're resistance training consistently. So when it comes to muscle, like muscle is something that it takes a while and a lot of effort to build up, but it also takes a while to lose. And when you do lose it, it comes back way quicker than when you were putting it on the first time around. And just to give you an example of this, like let's say you have just the average guy who's done you know, a good job intentionally putting on muscle and he's gained maybe 10 to 15 pounds of muscle over the course of the year. 
then let's say that that same person has some life events happen or life happens and you know he stops exercising for three months. And let's say he loses all of that muscle in those three months because he didn't pick up a single weight in that time frame, which is highly unlikely. But it took him a full year to build those 10 pounds of muscle. And at the end of three months of just not lifting or doing anything, let's say he happens to lose all of that muscle. Then this person decides that he's going to get back into it. Like let's say if his life settles down a bit and he's able to work out more again and he starts to lift consistently, that person will regain that muscle in a very short period of time. I mean, he might gain that weight back, that muscle back within one to two months of starting to lift consistently again. So it might have taken him a year to gain that initial 10 pounds of muscle right before he lost it. But to gain it back, it was just a fraction of the time. And the first time you build muscle, again, it takes a long time. But the second or the third time around or the fourth time around, it happens very quickly and you regain that muscle back relatively quickly. And honestly, you've probably seen this with people who have had a cast on one of their extremities after breaking a bone or something, right? Like you have the cast on for a while so your body can take time to heal and recover from that injury. But you lose some or a lot of muscle mass um, with kind of that recovery process because you're not using those muscles like you, you know, were using them before that particular injury. And as soon as you get that cast off and start using those muscles again, you regain that, that muscle mass and you regain your strength back relatively quickly. But this is what resistance training does as well. It's, it's the same concept. Now, why is this important? Again, like if we understand kind of the context of modern life and the average person, this works perfectly into our tendencies of, you know, missing workouts here and there and not being perfect with our workout plan week after week for the course of the year. But this is, honestly, it's super encouraging and it's far more sustainable when we compare it to only doing cardio. So between the impact that resistance training has on your hormones and being pro tissue and you know the more permanence resistance training has on your long-term results like those are two pretty compelling arguments to continue with this type of exercise or to start if you're not doing it already also i think it's important to talk about how resistance training can also improve your structural health and kind of make it more likely to keep your independence and your mobility as you naturally age. Like the actual loading of tissues and bones that you induce when you resistance train is super important for fighting against things like osteopenia and sarcopenia and muscle degradation as you start to get older. Like there's just nothing else like it. And if you're not loading your tissues and your bones with resistance, that's just beyond what you're doing in your day-to-day task. Like that natural degradation that happens as we age is going to happen a lot quicker. But good news is you can prolong that or delay that process by resistance training and starting as early as you can. Now, yes, you know, going back to running 100%, that that maybe has some counter effect on, you know, bone loss and, and, you know, your health long term. But resistance training is the only form of exercise that's that's really going to be able to create a meaningful difference in fighting muscle loss and bone loss as you age and preventing, you know, some, not preventing, but delaying some of that frailty that happens later on in life. So 
if we were to just kind of wrap up this episode here today, I think some of the main points that I really just wanted to get across is this idea that, yes, doing something is always going to be better than doing nothing. So doing cardio, it's great and it has a ton of benefits and it can get you moving and I fucking love that. I think that's super important. But if we compare solely doing cardio, if we compare that to only doing resistance training, if we only had to choose one of those forms of, of exercises and we had to stick to that forever, resistance training is going to be your best bet. And it's it's going to give you the most return on your investment when it comes to your physique and your metabolic health. Now, if you can do some combination of cardio and resistance training, like we'd be reaping the benefits of both. But I really just wanted to outline the major differences between cardio and resistance training and comparing these two to, to one another so you can make an informed decision at the end of the day. Cool. I think I'm going to wrap it up with that. Um, If you're here still, I appreciate you listening and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day wherever you are at. But until next time, remember to eat with a purpose, train with intention and think with confidence as you work towards your own nutrition and fitness goals. Again, I appreciate you for listening. I hope you have a good one and I'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Thank you again for listening to this episode. If you found value and enjoyed it, It would mean the world to me if you posted a screenshot to your social media. If you do, make sure you tag me so I can say thanks. Or if you're on iTunes, scrolling down and leaving a five-star review would be much appreciated. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can always find me on Instagram at LukeSmithRD. Thanks again for tuning in, and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I'll see you on the next episode.